from the Brooklyn Paper Building in beautiful downtown Brooklyn. This is Brooklyn Paper Radio. Brooklyn yes, Paper Radio. it is. Another Tuesday, Tony. It's another Tuesday, and it is quite literally beautiful America's it's, downtown It's today. finally beautiful out. Something like 70 degrees. I, when I was, wa- I was on Montague Street a short while ago, and on Montague Street is the old Independent Savings Bank building, which is no longer Independent Savings Bank. I think what it's Sovereign. It sovereign. Which I'm not a fan of. I'm going to be honest. Did I ever tell you my Sovereign Bank story? No. Oh, man. You've not shared the it's Sovereign not good. Bank Oh, no, it's not good. Here's what happened. I had a gas bill, right, okay. with uh, our good friends at National Grid. Our formerly, neighbors at National formerly Grid. Formerly Keyspan, formerly Brooklyn Union Gas, always sending us the bills with the, with the, with the prepaid postage when you want to mail back your sure. check. But I've never used that prepaid postage because, as you know, I'm, I'm a technical guy. And I've always done the technical thing, and I've always been online paying bills that way. Sure. Reduce paper. So I had this, this account at Sovereign Bank because it was originally Independent Savings Bank. A Brooklyn bank, thank you very much. Okay. And I had the, I had the account. Bank local. And then all of a sudden it became like a Spanish bank, like literally from Spain. I think that's where they're from. That's I, where Sovereign is from. I think that's where they're from. Huh. So what happened is I was paying my bills through Sovereign, and then I closed the Sovereign account. And then somewhere along the line, like, like two or three months later, I went to pay my bill and apparently, for some reason, instead of it going to my new bank, Sovereign got the call. Sovereign Bank okay. got the call and then, for some reason, reopened my account, paid the bill, and then charged me like $200 in fees. How unnecessarily friendly of them. It was unnecessarily friendly. Yeah. I was like, well, I don't understand this. How, how did you open up this account when it was closed? Oh, no, no, we reopened the account when that happens. I go, and that's your, that's your standard practice? So there was a long back and forth. There was a long back and forth until finally, probably after about two years, I got all my, you know, like they, they were going after me for money. They were trying to charge me fees. And I said, look, I will happily pay you back for the money that you put out, but I'm not paying any fees because you guys decided to open up a closed account yeah. because somebody came along and said, hey, give uh, us some money from Vinny's account. I understand the whole overdraft concept where, you know, maybe a couple bucks from your savings account moves over to your checking account when it's open to pay a balance that maybe you overdraw on, but to completely reopen a debt account all, all with accounts, no money in it? All accounts were closed. I had ceased doing business with that company. I that had ceased. The that s- secession had happened. Now, the most important question, did you sick a reporter to find out no, I put my I put my, they... I put my bulldog on it. Uh, my bulldog back then was Carmine Santa Maria. Oh. He wrote scre- a whole column screecher. about it. The big screecher the wrote big a whole screecher. column about that. I he bet did. he had a lot to screech about. He was screeching like, like there was no tomorrow. And there wasn't, both for his column and my relationship with Sovereign with Bank. Sovereign Bank. And now, just so everybody knows, Vince Banks at McDonald's. I do. Um, so it's guarded him that much. that. Well, I moved all my accounts to USAA. Where? USA, very nice. Now the USA is, is for the is for the military, and I got I got in because as you know, Demon Sellers have a long history of avoiding military service. As you know, I mean, we all know that, right? So, is that something to be proud of? I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I your don't dad know. was a cop, so he was a serviceman. He so was. I, he did. Know. I'm get I'm getting the thumbs down from our guests, which we'll get to in a second. That's okay. So, um, what happened was, uh, my father-in-law and mother-in-law were both military. So I got in through my wife, and it is a great. It is USA is the greatest bank slash insurance company slash everything on the planet. The nicest people. You never have a problem with anything. I wish they would. I think they should sponsor the show, Jimmy. What do you think? Yeah, Jimmy's he's not, nodding. He's nodding. He agrees. They he's should be got a, that wonderful sponsor music ready, <laughs> ready to go, <laughs> ready to go. When we say, please do your banking at USAA. It is fantastic. No, they are they are like literally the best bank in the world, and I never have any. You only have great things to say about them. And they sound like night and day compared to Sovereign. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'll so never, never do that. But enough about that. Enough about your finances. Yeah, all the finances are done. It's all, everything's taken care of. We've got to get right to our guest. Yeah, who's clearly weighing in on that. So I think we should, we should move the, we have open to, the mic as it we were. We have to get right to our guest. And we are honored today to have Yvette Clark, Representative Yvette Clark, on the show. And our guest is she has been representing the good people. I love it when I try to read something. I'm very bad at it. It's so much harder to, yeah, you just kind of got to I wish I memorized it. I wish I memorized it. But I'm going to go through it. I'm going to see if I can knock it out. 
I also try, tend to do that in a different voice. She has been representing the good people of Central Brooklyn, Sheepshead Bay, Park Slope, Crown Heights, Flatbush, and Prospect Lefferts Garden, among others. I might have missed some. In the uh, ninth, it's the ninth district. The House of Representatives used to be the eleventh, the fighting eleventh, if I remember correctly. That was the seat that was held by Shirley Chisholm. Right. Yes, that's and, a very and important seat. Major Owens, of course. Major Owens, the the rapping rep, we called him, who was once featured on uh, Colbert Report. Oh man, one of the best episodes ever. But you can see that's like ten or twelve years old now, and you can see how Brooklyn's changed in that time. You should watch it again and see how much they made fun of Brooklyn in ways they could still make fun of Brooklyn, but they do it differently now. It's, yeah, I think that I think Brooklyn. It's the bubble now. Back then, it was it was I don't know it, it was not an open. Yeah, kind Open of. season. There you go. But prior to being elected to Congress, she was a councilman here in Brooklyn. A bunch of different neighborhoods. Kind of kind of similar, kind of different, but she can tell us all about that. Uh, she's the daughter of Una Clark, who also served in the council many years, and I believe she took her seat when when that, when that when Una retired. The, the first and only mother-daughter council succession, if I'm not mistaken. You did some research on that. I mean, a, a, a transition like that stands out. I think, yeah, you got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> she now serves on the Energy and Commerce Committee, the Committee on Small Business, and the Ethics Committee, which I'm sure during this conversation we'll take a deep dive into the ethics in, uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, she's also the co-chair of the Black Women and Girls Caucus, is the chairwoman of the Multicultural Media Caucus, which is dedicated to eliminating stereotypes in the media and helping minority-run outlets grow. Uh, and, of course, she is the co-chairwoman of the Caribbean Caucus, which is working to build strong relationships between these United States and the islands that are right next door to us. Those islands that a lot of people like to vacation at. Sure. And you're not talking about Staten Island. No, not Staten oh, Island. okay, got That's it. a completely different island that no one vacations No at. one ever vacations. No, no, we're not vacationing. I can't even get my, my father-in-law to come to visit to, for his, uh, his grandson's uh, graduation for fifth grade. Well, that's that, not true. He's coming. Uh, yeah, that. Of course, he's coming. We need to fact check that one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I want to welcome to Brooklyn Paper Radio Representative Yvette Clark. Thank you for coming. You're going to hear her voice now. Go. Thank you so much for having me, Vinny, and it's great to meet you, Tony. This is going to be a wonderful interview. I can tell already. Wow. What makes you think that? What What brought that about? Something about the banter as we opened <laughs> up today just gave me an inkling. It's funny because we were supposed to talk about my bike. That's right. And that I and I was just completely we went right Sovereign off. Bank. Oh man! From bike to bank, that was it. And what you missed was some great banter with Congresswoman Clark before the lines even opened. So. She's not kidding. It's going to be a really great show. Okay, so what's our first question? <laughs> I'm only kidding. Why don't, you, why don't you start? Tell us about what's happening in Washington right now, what you're working on, and then we'll, we'll go from there. But well, I can tell you that, unfortunately, not a whole lot is happening in Washington right now. I've noticed that. Yeah, it's except, except that big tax cut yeah. that apparently, according to my accountant, is going to cost me $500 a year. Well, uh, you know, it, we we tried to sound the alarm as much as we could about how unjust the tax scam was going to be to New Yorkers, and we really got hit extra hard with the uh, whole uh, local and state tax deduction being right. removed from blue states like ours. It was real, really mean. It's a mean-spirited bill altogether, legislation, and it's a shift quite frankly, of uh, revenues out of the uh, priorities that we have uh, to build common cause with all Americans, things like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Uh, and now we look at the budget and the type of slashing that's taking place, whether it's in uh, food assistance or housing. It's, it's really bad news for us. And it's created a tremendous deficit that they're trying to backfill right now. So, you know, they haven't been able to get a whole lot done in Washington right now, unfortunately. Uh, and everything that has been accomplished thus far has been really, really bad. So the president, though, doesn't sell this. He sold it as rocket fuel. Right, rocket fuel. But he I'm did reading in the I'm reading in the Times today that that this this isn't the case. It's not rocket fuel at all. It's actually just it's well it's 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 not rocket fuel at all. What? No, it's not. Well, it's rocket fuel for some. If you're <laughs> right. extra extra wealthy, right. you you're going to be fueled in perpetuity. But if you are working class, middle class, average everyday American, uh, your whatever bump you got won't mm -hmm. last for long. And as you said. Uh, a lot of us are going to be paying a whole lot more revenue uh, to uh, the federal treasury. And unfortunately, that 
money is going to line the pockets of some folks who didn't ask for the money. Right. So, but I got to ask this. How does it, so you're down there. You're on the floor. Yeah. You're working the floor. Now, there are Republicans. There are Democrats. There's probably a couple independents. I don't know. Maybe there's Not a, in the House. <laughs> Come forth. Yeah. So, how, but how does this happen? I mean, you look at this bill, and this bill is going to hurt a lot of people. And I know that we've had uh, representatives, you know, uh, Donovan mm-hmm. in in Staten Island or on Staten Island, as I like to say. He he didn't vote for the bill. No. He, no. he, he, he didn't vote for the bill. It was a clear and present danger to all New Yorkers. So, so, so he, he made the right move. Did you Absolutely. have a conversation with him? We, we, we did have a discussion as a New York delegation. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I don't want people to believe that there isn't any bipartisanship. Right. What does get done oftentimes is uh, – uh, oftentimes bipartisan. The tax bill wasn't because we knew what the ulterior motive was behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, he, he, you know, we stand together as New Yorkers. Now, you know, Congresswoman, you, you come from the same, not only state, but city as the president. And and, and the tax bill, for instance, was very hard on, on a blue state. What, you know, is there any sort of insight? Do you have any sort of insight why he's sort of punching down on the state where he comes from and and sort of hurting, you know, I mean, I know it's not necessarily his base, but he's sort of leaving New Yorkers behind as, you know, a self-proclaimed New Yorker. It's it's really uh, baffling to be, you know, to, to, to try to figure out what Donald Trump is thinking. And, you know, I, I think he believes that, you know, his uh, popularity comes from places outside of New York and he's playing to that base. Um, and he's hurting them because in many of the states that voted for Donald Trump, um, they're really suffering as well. And this tax bill is not going to help them in the least. And unfortunately, you know, there's a whole lot of uh, shenanigans going on. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're having to cope with this at this time. Um, you know, I, I wish I had better news for you. I wish I, I had a crystal ball and could figure out, you know, which direction uh, Donald Trump's going in. But, it, you know, he's been very duplicitous, so it's just no way of knowing. Yeah, I think that's above even a crystal ball's play, pay grade <laughs> right now. But but there is good news. I mean, you're working on a couple of, of really important pieces of legislation. Um, and, you know, obviously those have a, a difficult journey from, you know, build a law. But tell us about, you know, what fight? What good fights you're trying to fight well, amid this chaos? I think one of the challenges that this nation is facing, and New York feels it acutely, is the the housing crisis. Um, whether it is the foreclosures that continue to plague uh, Central Brooklyn, or it's uh, the public housing, the infrastructure that's crumbling, or it's just finding uh, affordable housing in, in the real sense of affordability for working class, middle class families. It's, it's very difficult. So I've put into uh, uh, into into uh, a bill uh, called the Hardest Hit Housing Act of 2018 provisions that would redirect uh, HUD's focus to hardest hit states um, across this nation, provide them with billions of dollars to look at low-income tax credits that can go into building more affordability into housing in our communities, uh, billions of dollars going into public housing to really uh, bring them up to code, make it a decent living place for, for, for Americans to live in, and the foreclosure crisis, helping to really mitigate a lot of the fallout and help those who are in a position to, to be redeemed in this process to, to maintain their homes. That's one really important piece of legislation. And we, we were fortunate, actually, in our omnibus bill that just passed, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, we were actually able to craft a deal where a lot of housing support has been preserved and expanded upon. So, I mean, I think the momentum is there. We're looking at record evictions across this nation Every state is feeling it. So I think we're going to be able to build a real consensus among uh, members uh, to move this legislation forward. And here in Brooklyn, what would what would, you know, that uh, that bill, that act look like in terms of like actual practical, you know, action? Would that be money for NYCHA? Would that be all of the above? It would be money for NYCHA. It would be money for uh, modifications of uh, sort of mortgage uh, um, 
products uh, that our folks are in and are unfortunately going into foreclosure over. And it would mean uh, being able to subsidize to a large extent the uh, affordable, the affordability of housing in our town because we're building a lot of luxury units and it's not keeping pace with the demand for more affordability. And we're just digging a deeper hole because we're not putting enough affordability on the market for New Yorkers. We're seeing homelessness uh, becoming an issue for families. Um, uh, and this has been going on for quite some time. So we've got a ways to go to be able to meet housing needs in our town. And this bill will go a long way in, in getting us where we need to be. Now, you said that a, a lot of the construction that's going on right now is, is more high-end stuff. I Absolutely. mean, downtown Brooklyn, you know, if you just drive down Flatbush Avenue, Flatbush Avenue Extension, you take a look around, you see, you see what's going up. But, you know, isn't it the market's job to determine what, you know, what goes in and what doesn't go in? And why would a, a developer in his right mind try to build something that's not going to sell or rent you know, how does, how, how does well, that happen? I, I think there's common cause. You know, we've got to look at our civil society. Not everyone is very wealthy. Mm -hmm. And New Yorkers, particularly Brooklynites, have lived in a pretty moderate uh, uh, homes for, for generations now. And to see such a tremendous spike in, in the cost of living particularly for housing in our town, is really distressing to a lot of families that have lived here for generations now. Their wages have not kept up with the cost of living. And, you know, to continue to just pile on luxury units upon luxury units uh, doesn't speak to sort of the, the common cause of being able to uh, impact on all Americans. And, and that's the role that government can play. That is to make sure that no one's left behind. And that's our job. Well, and a big part of, you know, uh, how prices for so-called affordable units are set, this is sort of a weird segue, but it just occurred to me, it has to do with the census and, you know, the incomes that are recorded during that every that survey every 10 years. And, and one of the other things that, you know, we've been, we've been reporting on since it was announced is that there is a, a, a possibility it will ask uh, people of whether or not they're citizens. And, you know, in the in the district that you represent, I would imagine that that news has caused some sort of commotion. And, and I'm wondering where you stand on that, if you, if you sure. think there are benefits or what you're telling your constituents. Well, it, it, we haven't had a citizenship question on the census since the 1950s. And here we are in the 21st century, 2018, and... The, I didn't find a compelling reason to add that question. And what it does is it suppresses the ability for us to get everyone counted, which is critical. Mm -hmm. It's critical for the yeah. type of funding that we uh, receive federally, not only for housing, but for every service that sure. we have, whether it's education, whether it's transportation, whether it's infrastructure. All of that will be impacted if people feel that they are being targeted based on their home of origin or their nationality. We've never done that. And in central Brooklyn, we're talking people coming from around the world, and everyone needs to be counted. You could be a resident of the United States of America, and, you know, does that mean if I don't say I'm a citizen that uh, I could be targeted for yeah. something? I mean, th it doesn't make any Like, what's the point of putting it on there other than to... to to penalize, right. you know, like, oh, well, well, this area seems to have lots of people that aren't from here. So maybe we should just take that money. Yeah. Away. No, you it, know, it, it seems I don't I haven't, I haven't heard a, a very compelling argument as to why. To ask it. What, what is the reason for them uh, considering it? Like who, who's brought it up? It's actually, you know, Donald Trump and his administration. Oh, that guy. Yeah. That guy again. Yeah. yeah. It all comes back to that guy. But yeah, it's his administration. And I, they claim it's a very reasonable question to ask because you know, they claim it's worth knowing the number of citizens versus, you know, non-official citizens in this country. I, But again, I haven't heard beyond that why that is worth knowing it, other than to be able to separate you yeah. know, the two. And it hasn't been worth knowing for decades right. now. As you said, and we've since been the able 50s. 
to uh, do you to know survive the, as a nation. When they, when they took it off, do, do we know what the rationale was when they got rid of it back then? It was just probably because there was no point to it, you know? Yeah, that's a good question. I, that and I don't know. And the, the diversity of the nation w- was growing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, y- you, you had blended communities. Some folks were citizens. Some folks were visiting. Some folks, you know, were residents of the United States on their way to becoming citizens. And you want to make sure that you count everyone because, again, every service that is provided in our communities are predicated on the number of people that reside there. Mm. Now, have you met uh, the president? Have you met Donald Trump? No, I haven't met him. He hasn't given you any calls, congratulate you on anything. After the show, I have a feeling he'll be calling and saying. Well, I think he did. They did extend an invitation. No, did they? I think it was maybe just protocol to the inauguration, which uh, I wasn't interested in attending. (laughs) A previous engagement, alas. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I had to prepare for the Women's March the very next day. Exactly. So I could not be there. So you were at the Women's March? Absolutely. And how did that go from your perspective? I thought it went very well. Extraordinary show of uh, solidarity. Were you down with people from Brooklyn? or I was down with the women of the United States House of Representatives okay. and everyone who came uh, to voice their concerns. Hmm. So the correspondence dinner happened the other night. Did you happen to go to that? No, I didn't. Okay, because that, that seemed pretty interesting. It did seem that Yeah, was there, was, there was definitely... And, and I've had the, the pleasure of being down in Washington for past correspondence Me dinner, too. which, you know, did have a, a feeling of bipartisanship at an old job I had my employer hosted after parties, mm-hmm. and you would see the different types of people that would stream in. And people put it all aside that night and did, it seemed back then, you know, just celebrate the work that these journalists were doing. But, you know, I don't know that that will ever happen again. I think it will. You know, well, I mean. She's the expert, it's, it's people. The, so. it's not, I'm not an expert, but it's just my, my, my feeling. You know, it, it, what we saw the other evening was a reflection of the current state of affairs. And sure. I don't believe that the status quo was going to be maintained. Sure. I, yeah. That's a good point. And the pendulum always switched. switched, switched Swings is what a pendulum does. That's what um, it does, back and forth. And also, Congresswoman Clark, you probably have a unique perspective on you know the state of media today, as the um, on the caucus on the uh, multicultural. Media yeah, caucus. the multicultural media caucus. Yeah, which yeah. Well, you know, I think that as we uh, continue to embrace uh, content that is diverse. We need to begin to now assign support to those who are bringing their intellectual uh, gifts uh, to developing content. And for a long time, uh, there had been sort of a suppression of that. And we're seeing more and more an acknowledgement of the variety of individuals who go into providing us with information, with entertainment. And I think that needs to be reflected across all media because that's the way that we're able to build common cause and consensus. It's through inclusion and bringing different points of view to the table. So I thought that the uh, it, was, it was timely to bring about a caucus on multicultural media. Um, I'm also looking at, you know, media ownership uh, and opportunities because that's how you're able to, again, assert a certain amount of, um, of, 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 of inclusive thought uh, at the table, and I think that that's very important for our country and our democracy. Now, in terms of you know, uh, media, I'm sure you your name has appeared in you know everything from the beloved Brooklyn paper mm-hmm. or Caribbean Life <laughs> yeah. to you know the New York Times, the New York Post. But in your you know as as a as an elected who's risen from city councilwoman to congresswoman. I would love to get your opinion on the unique role local media plays, not just, you know, covering, fixing a pothole, but also covering someone as yourself down in Washington and how, you know, what, telling our listeners, you know, who may be reading the show as they hear it, I don't Mm -hmm. know, but they're definitely listening to it. Like what, what the local role plays. I think is that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where uh, our constituents are able to really feel a sense of ownership of uh, the body politic, of the issues of the day, of the concerns, and are able to uh, 
see themselves in what is happening in their own communities, in their own spaces, in their own lives. I've always uh, been enamored with local press uh, because I feel that uh, there are so many worthy things taking place in our communities that just aren't covered by the larger media outlets because, you know, they've they've got their own agenda, right? Um, and uh, many are espousing, you know, national fame in terms of, you know, what they go after in terms of stories. And there's so much that goes on each and every day in our constituencies that, uh, one, uh, help people to inform people, and three, uh, make sure that folks are really enlightened about their surroundings and how they can engage their surroundings. I, I think about folks who are uh, newly uh, Brooklynites and how they find out about, you know, what's taking place in the community. They, they're not going to necessarily get that from, uh, you know, uh, the uh, wider or larger outlets, but uh, in their community, there's usually a paper that's going to inform them about what's taking place, where the meetings are happening around issues and interests that uh, they have an affinity with. And that's important. Because now you're a stakeholder and you know how to, to engage uh, the community around you at, at the local, uh, the state, and the national level. Yeah, we have a, you know, we have a different um, focus than what I call big media. Mm -hmm. you, know, when we, when, you know, we focus on everything that's, that's happening you know, in the neighborhoods that the, that the people that we cover live in. And uh, we, have a, you know, we, we have a focus on uh, the, the types of things that they're not going to look at. So Absolutely. I just trained an intern this morning. I was literally thinking <laughs> about your, your morning spiel. And when I train the, the intern, or, I, or I, train a, um, I train a new reporter, the idea is, look, we're, go we're not going to write a story about something that you can read in, in any other newspaper in the country, and it's going to read the same way. It has to have that kind of local uh, focus. It has to be, there has to be something that says, you know, this is about Brooklyn, because that's our brand. You know, our brand is, this is what's happening, you know, right here. And that's the whole community news group way of, of doing things. True, you know? true. I'll give you an example. Um, our office decided that uh, we need to needed to empower people during a time where there's a lot of immigrant bashing going on. Mm -hmm. So we decided to do a citizenship drive. And, you know, you know, the, the, the national papers are not necessarily going to see that as a big deal, but our local papers did. Mm -hmm. They knew how important that was for those folks who've been living in the United States for decades now, never thought that they would, you know, be the, 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 the target of, you know, really nasty sentiments. And over 100 people showed up. That's wow. just like the tip of the iceberg. We know that if we drill down, there are a lot of folks who've lived in this country, who own businesses, own homes, raising their families, but have just not taken the step to become citizens. And they're eligible, and they're willing to do so now, particularly given the climate that we're in. So you you have uh, Jamaican heritage, but I'm not I'm not clear on where you were born. Were you born in Jamaica? Were you nah, born here? I was Phil born in Brooklyn Jewish Hospital. <laughs> Brooklyn Jewish Hospital. My parents came to the United States of America from the beautiful island nation of Jamaica uh -huh. in the 1950s. Okay, and have lived most of their all of their adult lives. In the United States of America, so they state. came as children, or they they came, came as uh, young adults. Young adults, oh, wow. but okay. my parents are in their eighties now. So okay, were they together when they yeah, came? Yeah, oh, still they young yes, adults. They, exactly. <laughs> it's all relative. It's all my relative. grandmother lived to be one hundred and three. It's all relative. God bless. <laughs> so they got married. My both of them were uh, foreign students. Mm -hmm. uh, went back to Jamaica, got married, and then came to live in the United States. Okay, so have you been it's back? How often? Did, oh, yeah, I, I've gone back a lot. My, my parents made sure that my brother and I uh, were familiar uh, with our roots, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I love, love, love Jamaica. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my, my, my grandparents, I had the opportunity to know them well on both sides of the family, uh, to uh, travel extensively across the island, and, you know, just, just knowing what my parents went through to leave all of that behind, to start a new life in the United States, 
and sort of the values that that brought them here mm -hmm. and that made them really strive to be the best that they could be um, and, and to uh, encourage my brother and I to be the best that we could be. We know exactly where that comes from. My grandfather was a sugarcane farmer mm -hmm. and the work ethic that he um, put forth uh, in the family uh, made it possible for his six kids to immigrate to the United States. They, some went to England first, but all ended up coming to the United States of America. And it was from those humble beginnings on the farm mm -hmm. that he was able to pay for their, their educations and send them to the United States. So all of that, I think, goes into building character. And, um, you know, I, I, I have a lot of reverence for it. So your mom became a councilwoman here. First foreign board woman to be elected to the New York City Council. What year was she elected? She was elected in 1991. Okay, so 91, so... With the expansion of the city council, that was uh, the period where we went through uh, having to change the construct of our government. Post, post uh, board, of, uh, estimate. board of Estimates. Absolutely, yeah. mm -hmm. absolutely. The Board of Estimates, for those of you that don't remember, was basically, was it, I guess it was five. It was five. Six men I was five then. Mm -hmm. I, don't I think remember. it was six men in a room. I think that's how they did it. <laughs> Basically, like that. the borough presidents had a lot of power. A lot of power. Yeah, and mm -hmm. then after the board of estimates, basically the borough president is just like a figurehead. And that power shifted to the expanded city council. council. Yeah, it went over to the council. And the mayoralty. And the mayoralty. mayoralty. A, a much stronger mayoralty than had been previously. So what's the difference between being in council? Like, I always like like a day in the life, you know? What's what's a day in a life for you now? So it's uh it's it, it's challenging, it's stressful, um, but it's it's also uh, uh, helps you to sort of uh, strengthen your convictions. Um, the city council is a unicameral body mm -hmm. and dominated by do Democrats. It was right? the opposite of what you well, not the opposite of what you had now, but it. But <laughs> as far as the executive, right? Is so so the significance <laughs> of uh, the difference is. You're dealing with the Senate and the House, and in both bodies, you're dealing with two parties. Uh, I've had the privilege since I've been elected to serve both in the majority and in the minority. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of watched how things have unfolded over time and just seeing how uh, there was a lot of uh, just vitriol that just began to bubble up, bubble up, bubble up, particularly as uh, the Republicans began to take more seats and sort of bump off some of the more moderate Republicans and uh, mm -hmm. come in with a lot more of sort of the ideologue um, uh, Freedom Party, uh, Freedom Caucus, mm -hmm. uh, Tea Party mm -hmm. individuals. And that's when the things got a, a lot nastier than it had been in the years uh Previously, so that's like it's it's our way or the highway. Basically. Yeah, there, there, there's no there's no no talking, compromise. Right. No, it's a lot of bullying. It's, it's unfortunate. It's very a lot no. of bullying. It's very weird. Oh, there's bullying in the in the house. We need to we need a lot to of bullying in the house. Down. When was the last time you were bullied? Oh man, last week. <laughs> Every week we go in for a beatdown. Yes. These guys are like you know they they, they like the streets they, of Central Brooklyn. Yo, back <laughs> You know, I, I think I could negotiate more with the streets of Central Brooklyn <laughs> back then I than bet. I could with these guys. I bet. Uh, but they, you know, they, they, they have an agenda. And right now, because everyone's running for re-election, they're putting sort of these messaging bills on the floor so that they can pass them in the House. They'll never pass the Senate. Mm -hmm. But people can run home to their districts and say, I passed the most mean, nastiest thing I could ever think of. And, 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 and it's all for you. Just I, to rile that base. Absolutely. I go through, I read the, the I guess, the questions that um, uh, Mueller wants oh, to yeah, answer that, in, that in, were, in the Times yeah. today. And you read through it. 40-something. You read through it. And for me, who I consider a reasonable person, I, I just don't understand how a reasonable person can read that and go through it and say, oh, yeah, you know, Trump's doing a great job. <laughs> I, 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 like, I don't get it. How, how, how do people, like... In the house, stand up for what's going on. It's 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 almost like a parallel universe. Um, you know, there there are folks who, you know, see Donald Trump as a utility. Uh, they have their own agendas that they'd like to um, move forward, and as long as he's in place, they feel like they have a chance at it. Um, the problem is there's a meltdown going on in the Republican Party, right? Right. So their infighting makes it impossible 
for anything to move forward because th there are, you know, thoughtful Republicans mm -hmm. and they're feeling bullied within their own party. Who's the most thoughtful re Republican you deal with? Oh, man. It, it depends. It, it depends on the issue. It's not like uh, across the board. But they're, they're who was the last people. thoughtful Republican you dealt with? Adam Kings Kissinger. And he is from where? Illinois. He's from Illinois. Yeah, we, we're working together on an, an opioid um, uh, abuse bill yeah. uh, to help um, address the opioid crisis that's taking place, and to really drill down and get answers, create uh, policy prescriptions, so that you know we're dealing with this uh, in a comprehensive, humane way. Mm -hmm. So it's that that has suddenly become a bipartisan issue for years. You know, heroin addiction right. was considered, it wasn't considered a disease, it wasn't considered a, it was considered, you know, a problem. A that, crime. A right. crime. You'd be criminalized right. for it. And now all of a sudden, everyone thinks that uh, it's it's not any longer. Well, and it's hitting the heartland really, really hard. Uh -huh. Really, really hard. But also hitting Brooklyn. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are you working on on that, Bill? What is What are you actually well, trying to do? Yeah, what we're trying to do is make sure that we have an action plan in place uh, to really make sure that the resources that are being allocated to combat of the abuse of opioids, uh, that it we, we, we can... Uh, really track what is taking place, look at best practices, look at alternative uh, alternatives for um, uh, for uh, pain um, for for making sure that we can address chronic pain mm -hmm. without uh, these, making people addicted. Drugs. There are alternatives to that. and uh, this has been the go-to for far too long. Um, and when folks don't have access to prescriptions, they then go into, you know, the uh, the uh, illicit market. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where things go really, really bad, really, really quick. So we're looking at how we can uh, get the, uh, uh, the NIH and all the other agencies engaged in really coming up with a comp comprehensive plan that we can utilize across this nation to push back, combat, and deal with uh, what is a really, so you really would, bad So you would crisis. like the, you know, hospitals and doctors to shy away from using, uh, what is, an, an opioid is a... Well, they're prescription painkillers. Right. right. But it's, it's a narcotic, right? Yes, narcotic. it is. I mean, it's narcotic. Absolutely, it is. Prescription but here's narcotic. the thing... Because I'm all about aspirin. Any pain I have, I take aspirin. Yeah, and that's great. But when you're suffering from cancer and other debilitating illnesses, that's not going to be enough it's for not my aspirin. Be, it's Even not, if I take like six and of them, people there are people who actually live with really bad chronic pain, and and it's hard for someone who doesn't have that mm -hmm. to to recognize it or to understand it or to understand it. And I think that we have to be smart about this. Look at alternative treatments. Uh, and, and, and address it forthrightly, and then really uh, manage how prescription uh, medications are being distributed. What we found in one of our hearings with the FDA was that, you know, it's the distribution chain in the DEA. Uh, it's mm. the distribution chain. We, we, we saw, like, these small towns in, like, middle America getting, like, millions of pills. With, with, they have, like, populations of, like, 3,000. Mm -hmm. Oh my God! And you'll have like three pharmacies getting millions of these pills, and, and, and so you know something is going wrong. Right. In these little communities, there's no reason for these types of that, um, meant that many opioids. Exactly yeah. in distribution. So they were then being illicitly yep. moved out all over the place. Absolutely, from, from and you places. know, and phony prescriptions being written. I mean, it, it, I mean, so there's a there's a uh, a supply chain, if you will. Uh, that we have to look at from the uh, from the manufacturers to the distribution to the doctors to the hospitals and the whole infrastructure to really get a good handle around how this has been abused and how we can mitigate it and what we need to do in terms of treatment and everything else uh, to get people off of opioids, uh, to get them healthy and well again, so that, uh, you know, we're not losing lives the way we are. Is codeine one of them? Is, is codeine... Uh, I don't think I, it's, it's... I don't think that's... That's, the, that's the yeah. toughest thing based. I ever took. I don't think that's technically considered an opioid, an opioid yeah. under... All I know is... It's I took like a, Percocet... 
Um, I don't I don't uh, know all the others. I took I took yeah a, oxycodone. I took a couple of uh, Tylenol with codeine after I had my wisdom teeth. Taken yeah, out me too. When I was forty years old, and I. Uh, I, I remember laying in bed just being comfortably numb. Like, and I was like, wow, this is, this is dangerous. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. <laughs> and I stopped taking them. I went yeah, back to aspirin. Exactly. <laughs> just that regular aspirin. But, it, you, know, I, I, you know, I can only imagine what families are going through right now oh, yeah. uh, with this, this crisis. And, and we have to address it. We really do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. Um, but a, a slightly less terrible thing that, <laughs> that I wanted to bring up, uh, well, part of it is less terrible, uh, but knowing that you and um, Senator Harris are working to install a statue of your predecessor's predecessor in the U.S. Capitol, that would be Shirley Chisholm, a statue of Shirley Chisholm. Um, it it made us kind of want to circle back with you about another statue that is sort of generating some controversy a little bit outside of your district here, but you know, not too far. Um, and that's of uh, J. Marion Sims, a statue that was banned from Prospect, uh, from Central Park, the other big park in the city, um, recently after the mayor's commission on statues deemed it insensitive. And the private Greenwood Cemetery has offered to kind of put it in its grounds where the doctor himself is buried. But that's generated a lot of contro- controversy. And as, as um, an elected who's sort of fought you know, you took a very center stage following Charlottesville with, yeah. you know, to remove monuments to Confederate leaders and, and sort of polarizing historical figures. I just wonder where, you know, where you land on this latest controversy and also where your efforts to kind of reform those Again, other... Again, I just think that it's, 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 it's horrible for us to sort of turn a blind eye to the pain that folks like that um, caused communities. Um, and, if, and, and, and if we're going to get to any reconciliation and healing in, in our civil society, we have to be able to have these conversations and say, you know, notwithstanding the contributions that were made, look at the cost at which these contributions were made and, and look at the context in which these contributions were made. Women were experimented on. You know, and, um, you know, I, 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 there is no excuse for dehumanizing people in our society. And for us to celebrate someone, uh, you know, who did this, to me, does not speak well of who we are as a civil society. And so, you know, I think that... We're not removing them from historical context. Sure. You know, everyone has a right to know of uh, the work that the doctor did. They also need to know how he did it. And, and, and then our, 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 everyone has to, 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 to search themselves uh, in their own humanity. And whether if the shoe were on the other foot, they would want that to happen to them and whether they would want to that person to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say to you that the majority of New Yorkers would not want that to be celebrated. Well, they moved it from uh, Central Park, Central mm-hmm. Park yep. to Greenwood Cemetery, yep. which to me seems reasonable. I'm not one of these guys who thinks we should, you know, uh, like you said, I think something in Central Park is, is is being celebrated mm-hmm. something in a museum or in a uh, in a cemetery like this next to the the tombstone of the, the the person in question is is a little bit different and you know you still can't forget about these things and one of the ways you don't forget about these things is by having something Absolutely. having something like that around and I think it's perfectly reasonable I know some people were upset with the move even into Greenwood Cemetery they want I've heard that too but I think that it needs to be put in context right, right. which I do believe the cemetery intent it hasn't in- formally installed it yet and I do believe it it plan if it does it plans to include a plaque that that does provide that context so that observers can you know, it doesn't just look like a monument. They can have what, he, you know, they can learn how he did what he did. And, you know, maybe they don't then see it as much of a monument, but as sort of a reminder or, you know, uh, a cautionary tale of how, we, you know, things have hopefully changed for the better. Absolutely. Um, for, for everyone involved. But it is, you know, 
they're very they these situations just you know they evoke charged opinions and yeah. i think your point of listening and putting the shoe on the other foot i guess or stepping into someone's other sh- stepping into someone you else's know, shoes is it's the a metaphor. basic thing and i and i follow this in 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 washington <clears throat> you you know do unto others as you would have them do unto you mm-hmm. you know and and if we can just like start with that as a premise Perhaps we can get to common cause around a lot of issues. It's the dehumanization, I think, that you know, uh, that that is something we shouldn't tolerate. You know, we we, we have to acknowledge one another's humanity if we're going to be a strong nation and we're going to move forward using the talent, skill, and expertise of everyone. And, and that's what we're going to need. China's coming. Hello, they're already in the Caribbean. We need to get it together. Wait, China's in the Caribbean? How'd that oh, happen? yeah. How did that happen? I didn't hear about that. Yeah, well, there's a lot, uh, unfortunately, that we don't know as Americans that we ought to be focused on, but instead we're dealing with Stormy Daniels. Doggone it. I heard about her. I, I Googled that name at some point. <laughs> yeah. I did. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want to know what came up. <laughs> exactly. Photos or we otherwise. definitely don't want to know. Yeah. Right, I got I to get back to the statues because, I, as you know, as everyone knows, I went to Washington, D.C. a few uh, weeks ago. He did. That was banter on a previous show. Yeah, I went so to Washington <laughs> with, my, with my wife and child, and uh, it was uh, my uh, father-in-law's 70th birthday, so we had to head down there, and he lives in Fairfax. So we went down there, and I, one of the places I'd never been was the Capitol building, where you work. Absolutely. Right? And very impressed with the building up close, because it looks much bigger than, like, on, on the back of, a, a, you know. Sure. Yeah. A, a piece of currency. Exactly. Something like that. And, um, but I went into all the rooms. We did the tour. And the tour is fantastic. If it you haven't taken the tour. tour. You have to I've take. I've never taken the tour. You got to take the tour, and they take you around the whole building. They take you. To My the office s- does tours. Oh, so. there you go. Yes, and you, do, can, do you oh. have an extra seat on the ride back to Washington. Uh, that we don't have. <laughs> okay. Well, however, if you can make, make your way there, way. I'll make my own way. <laughs> so you go, you know, you go into the buildings. They take you, and it was originally built. There's a crypt there for George Washington. Do you know Whoa, this? No, I didn't know yep. that. There's a crypt for George Washington because they were supposed to bury him there. And George Washington, smart man that he was, my uh, I have two favorite presidents, obviously uh, Washington and Lincoln are my two favorites mm-hmm. right there. That's all. I think those are good favorites. Yeah, Washington. You know, made a lot of tough choices, and yeah, one of his did. tough choices was, you not know what, to be buried at the Capitol. I'm not going to be buried <laughs> at the Capitol, no matter if if you look up in the rotunda and you look up in the sky, like they have Washington with the angels. Yeah. Oh wow. You know, oh, it's crazy. It's absolutely like it's everything that he was kind of against, but they never checked with them. So you know, they just <laughs> did dying. It. Yeah, they just they did that. But there are plenty of statues all around. In there's the old house. Which is a statue room now, right? It's the old house, right? They yes. have Lincoln's, where Lincoln's desk was, mm-hmm. and in all these rooms. And I went in, and one of the first statues I saw when I walked in, I don't know if it was in the statue room. Oh, and I got to be clear on how the statues work, because I wanted to ask you about your statue. The statues work, there are two statues from each state that go into a certain room. Right, Statuary Hall. That's Statuary Hall. Got and it. And those are dedicated or donated by the state. They're... Like someone in the state says, all right, we're going to send this statue there, and we're going to have it made, and we're going to put it there, and then they put it up in, in that room, and there's two from each state. Those are procured by uh, state representatives and senators yeah, or any organization? They, they were there when I got there, so I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. exactly. Well, Would whole, your right? Chisholm statue be part of statuary Not that just Not necessarily. It could be any place in the Capitol. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that, that's the other. And then there are other statues around the Capitol that are donated in other ways. So that's what I want to be clear. So yeah. this is not one for, this would not be one of the two right. donated from New York State because that would mean one that's there now needs to come out. And you can rotate them. I mean, nothing has to stay yeah. the same. Well, uh, they, I hear Greenwood Cemetery is taking statues. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because when, when I walked in, one of the first statues I saw, I'm not sure it was in Statuary Hall. I can't be clear. Mm-hmm. Was, was, was General Lee. There mm-hmm. he is. I took oh the picture. Gosh. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, he's there. He's there. Wow. Yeah. Front and center. Yeah. yeah. You know, General Lee was there. And then right next to him, very close by, was a... Your favorite. Was a Lincoln. Mm-hmm. There's a Lincoln. There's another Lincoln. Oh, there's the rotunda. There's the roof. Can you guys see this, Jimmy? Put this up on the board. <laughs> oh, and they got these. Oh, they have the uh, these. Uh, what do you call Is these? That yeah, a, a, well, a not, painting. They're like portraits. No, big portraits. Right. They're called oh. giant portraits on a wall. There's a name for that. Come on, look it up. The Taurus. 
Mm-hmm. It's I'm fantastic. Gonna go with a giant portrait on the wall. That's what that's what it is. But you you so the statue the statue you want to make is for Shirley Chisholm and how's this being received and who's gonna it's make being, it? It's being received very well. Will uh, it be a Michelangelo we, we from Brooklyn? It, you know. That that's all to be determined. Uh, I think the first step is for us to pass this legislation. We've got both a House uh, bill and a Senate bill, and uh, you know it, it, it it's 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 a labor of love to to really advance this project. We've got over seventy uh, co-sponsors in the House. I believe they're like maybe thirty co-sponsors on the Senate And this side is right on party this. lines, right? All the Republicans are against it, you and know, all the I, Democrats are I for it. I don't know that they've signed on, and it, it, it's not, I don't I don't think it's gotten to the point where people are against and for it yet, because it hasn't come up for uh-huh. hearing. We'll know better by then. What's the feeling, though? What's the, you know, I what's the word that, on the street? I, the word on the street is, there are reasonable Republicans that I think would, would celebrate Shirley Chisholm. Mm-hmm. She's the first African-American woman to be elected to Congress. You know, so I mean, she's her place in history is there, and she how earned, we commemorate yeah. it, I think, is 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 what we're talking that about will be, right that now. Do we have any Shirley Chisholm uh, statues in Brooklyn? We have a uh, a state office building. Okay. And I know there's a portrait in there, but I'm not certain that we have any statues well, we yet one. in Brooklyn. We gotta get one. We got yeah. we got a you know we got Christopher Columbus right around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few of him around the city. Yeah, they're all over the place. Share share the wealth. Yeah, I think exactly. I mean, it's time. It's the 21st century. We need to do some things that this generation leaves to their children and grandchildren. We've been, uh, you know, skating off uh, the largesse of previous generations for far too long now. Now, one quick thing I, I want to ask you because you know you we got to start wrapping up. I know, and this is a wrap up, but mm-hmm. it's it's a wrap up, but it's it's a sort of a whole picture. You were, you know, you made a point about how the news cycle gets overwhelmed by stories like Stormy Daniels. Mm. And, you, you know, that. we also talked about the difference between what local papers cover and, you know, what might miss your larger publications. So could you tell our listeners, with regard to your district, what the five stories they should be following right now so that they're informed voters, that they know what's going on, both locally and maybe a little bit higher up. You know, so so they, you know, from your perch, mm-hmm. stuff that they should be keeping up with, maybe that will help them more than knowing the next porn star that's, you know, going to file suit or something like that. Certainly. Um, one, I would say, is that uh, the... Uh, anti-immigration policies of the Trump administration have a direct bearing on people who live in the 9th Congressional District, whether it's uh, individuals who were covered under the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, known as DACA, or temporary protected status coming from nations like El Salvador, Haiti, Guatemala. There are families that live in our community, have lived in our community for decades now, that are impacted. Um, Secondly, health care. I mean, you're hearing about Vital Brooklyn, uh, which is going to have a huge impact for central Brooklyn, uh, modernizing our health care infrastructure. Uh, we, at the federal government level, were able to get the Medicaid waivers that enable the state to begin modernizing health care in central Brooklyn. So the Affordable Care Act becomes a reality for the people who live here and that we're able to streamline how people access health care in central Brooklyn and throughout Brooklyn as a result. Um, I would also say voting is important and it's critical. This year, in the 9th Congressional District, there is an election that's going to be held on June 26th, which is rare. Yeah. Uh, it's a primary election for Congress. And so it's important that people pay attention because there are going to be a number of elections coming up uh, towards uh, this election year, a primary for Congress in June primaries for uh, our state representatives, our local judges in September, and then the general election in November, it's important that we vote. You know, it's so critical, especially in days like these, because that's what makes our democracy 
work. What's the percentage of um, voters in your district that actually vote? In, in the Wow, it's not as good as it should be. I, I can't up. give you a good number right now, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to amplify uh, voter participation. Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really critical that everyone who has the franchise utilizes it because that's what makes the democracy work. Mm. When you don't vote, you're basically acquiescing to the will of other 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 folks, other interests. And we've got a lot on our plate in central Brooklyn uh, that have to be dealt with. And the federal government has a unique role in helping us to advance our causes. Who's going to be the president in two years? That's a good question. There are a lot of great candidates, and they're all in the Democratic Party. So <laughs> I'm looking forward... <laughs> I'm looking forward to any number of individuals coming forth and offering themselves for president of the United States. Except one. Who's that? I don't know. You tell me. He might already be there. <laughs> I'm not He's sure. not a Democrat. Oh, okay. I apologize. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes I get ahead of myself. Now, and you, you, you will be on some of those ballots this later this year. Absolutely. The June election is going to be the... It, it, so people should look at their districts in Brooklyn. Uh, there are uh, a few districts that have primaries. Let me see. So Dan Donovan, mm -hmm. the Brooklyn Staten Island, is going to have a primary. So polls will be open in that district. I think it's district number 11. Mm, is that the 11th now? Yeah, well, Don, Donovan followed Donovan. Grimm, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's so going to be a primary. The it's yeah. the 11th and the 9th congressional district. Those are the only two districts that will have polling sites open for primaries. In June. In June. Interesting. On June 26th, which is the last Tuesday in June. So we're telling everyone, <laughs> don't go on vacation yeah. without sending in your absentee ballot. <laughs> the last Tuesday in yeah, June. Yeah, <laughs> what a... Well, uh, what am I going to tell you? So, so you know, that's that's important for people to know. that. that you, and, and so if you don't live in those two constituencies, there will not be any polls open. Those mm -hmm. are the only, are the only races two. that will be um, determined in June. See, I can't vote in the primary because I'm an independent. Uh, oh, yes. You yeah. see that? You see yeah. that? Well, they got to change that. I don't know if they can, though. It, it doesn't make sense to me, but it makes sense to me. You know, well, so as an independent, I don't think I should be able to vote in a Republican or Democratic primary because I'm not part of the party. Right. But there's got to be a way to like help out in some way. But I don't know. I don't know what that is. I've got a lot of ways. Come <laughs> <laughs> right. on over to the ninth sure, district. Come on over to the ninth district. Making sure the your registered Democrat and Republican counterparts do go out and vote in the primary and raising the issues that you want to see these candidates, you know, uh, uh, address and and helping to uh, sort of shape the debate. Up. I have I have one. Uh, I try to convince my dad not to vote for Trump again. I'm trying. That's all I can do. Try. That's all I can do. <laughs> Just you know? appeal to him on a you know. I went back to the whole son. reasonable thing. The whole <laughs> reasonable thing. I would expect my dad to be reasonable. The tax scam. Uh, well, he'll see. Tell him. He'll Listen, see. The next thing they're going after. I'm assuming your dad oh. is retired. Yes, he is. Social Security. Mark my words. Medicare and Medicaid. They got to fill that hole. They yeah. create a trillion-dollar deficit. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, now they want to privatize things <laughs> so that, you know, it's, it's wicked. It could get <laughs> a lot. I think, I think what you're saying is it could get a lot worse oh, yes. if we don't if, – if, if people who don't like what's happening don't make their voices heard. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad we met – we allowed uh, – the congresswoman here to get her to, to make her voice heard. Yeah, absolutely. And so, is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you would like to lend your voice to before all of us stop talking? Well, you know, I, I, I want to encourage people to stay engaged. You know, I, I think that uh, as as citizens or as Americans, we've we, we were we, there was a time of complacency. Um, you know, we uh, took a lot for granted and didn't demand much of our elected officials, uh, our representatives. And I think that if we want to shape the 21st century in a way in which our kids can be proud that they inherited it from us, we have got to stay engaged and really, you know, 
make people accountable. I think that's what we saw with the outrage that people had over the repeal of the Affordable Care Act. Um, and, you know, there are a whole host of issues. Climate change is real. If you live in Brooklyn, New York, you know that Superstorm Sandy was like the mother of all storms. And people are still paying a price. Yeah. People are still paying a price <laughs> a for one. it. Yeah. It's a, it a huge one. I mean, billions yeah. of dollars in, in, in property just demolished. And, yeah. and, 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 and so we've got a role. Uh, you know, do we want our kids to have to pay more because we did not step up to say, you know what, we got to re re reduce carbon emissions and, you know, invest in renewables and the, the technology already exists. As a matter of fact, all of the fossil fuel companies have already started, um, you know, retooling themselves for renewables because they know their days are numbered. But, you know, we've got some folks that are holding on to fossil fuels because they're old fossils themselves. <laughs> Like attracts like, I guess, is what, That's what, is it what is. the reason for that Absolutely. is. Absolutely. All right. I so wanted, there's a lot of work to do, and we got to stay engaged. We will, we will stay engaged, and we will keep doing this week after week, Tony, and we'll make sure that uh, people hear, hear the message. that you got to get out there and vote. Maybe we should end the show with that instead of keep hustling. Go, go vote, Brooklyn. <laughs> go vote and keep or, hustling. Yeah, exactly. That you affordable housing can be elusive. Keep hustling. You can do both. <laughs> I want to thank our guest, uh, Yvette Clark. Thank you uh, for having for coming me. Thank on you so today. much. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony, for being here and helping me out in my time Always of need. Always a privilege. I want to thank Jimmy or Johnny or Eric or whatever his name is on the board. And we will be back next week. We got a guest yet? I don't know. We'll see you next week. Find out next week. <laughs> on Brooklyn Favor Radio. Bye-bye.